0: Alright, we're going to jump in. Hopefully you guys had a great Christmas break. I've missed you. Uh, We miss you all dearly when you're not here. And I want to start tonight uh, with a very important question. Uh, Two, well, about two months ago or so, I preached a message called What Compels Us. And the message was uh, really about what... Uh, what should drive us to go and tell people about Jesus? What drives us to go and preach the gospel in all areas of the world? What drives us to missions? And this, uh, tonight, we're going to ask a similar but a little bit different question. And my question for you tonight is, why does, well, not, not, this isn't the overall question, but this is my first question, why does Chi Alpha exist? Why are we here? And I want you to turn to your neighbor, and I want you to give them maybe a one-sentence explanation of why Chi Alpha exists. All right? Go ahead and do that right now. Go. This is the participation part of the evening. So you need to participate. That goes for you too, Courtney, in the back. It's okay to talk, all right? (laughs) All right, all right. So uh, what do we got? Anybody want to share their answer? Anybody? (laughs) (laughs) Do you, you, uh, go ahead, Nathan, what do you think? Uh, To make disciples for Jesus. I would agree with you. Uh, to make disciples for Jesus. I want to share with you our mission statement of Chi Alpha. And our mission statement is simply this. Chi Alpha exists to reconcile college students and young adults to Jesus Christ and to disciple them to be lifelong followers of him and to equip them to make disciples on campus, in the marketplace, and throughout the state of Alaska and the world. That's our mission so if you notice, if we break that down, everything that Chi Alpha does, do we have that, Aaron? Can you put that back up? Or there it is. Hey, there it is. All right. If you break that down, everything we do in Chi Alpha uh, essentially is driven by this mission. It's driven by this, and it can be connected back to this. So our goal is to introduce people to who Jesus is, lead them to a point of decision in which they are, make a decision to be reconciled back to God, and not to just leave it there, but to disciple them, meaning that we want them to follow Jesus for the rest of their life, and not just follow Jesus for the rest of their life, but be trained to make disciples and replicate that process for the rest of their life. Whether they do that on a campus somewhere else, whether they do that at UAA as full-time Chi staff, whether they do that as a missionary overseas, or whether they do that as a nurse, or a doctor, or a journalist, or a Whatever, engineer, whatever else, an accountant, it doesn't matter what it is, that you would make disciples for the rest of your life. And I believe this, that Chi Alpha exists on the most strategic mission field in the entire world. I firmly believe this, and I'll take this to my grave, that there is no greater ministry on the face of the planet than college ministry and young adult ministry. Why? Because... The future leaders of tomorrow are on a college campus today, or in this case, they're on Zoom calls today, all right? And we believe that people between, we know this, that people between the ages of 18 and 25 are in the best season of their life to be discipled. Between the ages of 18 and 25, you will make decisions about who you're going to become as a person you are formable, and you're open to new ideas. You are moldable, and you have a schedule that is available. And some of you are like, ah, Steve, I'm not available. I'm really busy. You're not. You're not nearly as busy, or at least not nearly as you're, not nearly, you're way more flexible than you will be someday. When you're working 40, 50, maybe 60 hours a week as you start your career, you get married, you have kids, you've heard me talk about this before, life continues to become less and less flexible the older you get. And right now you have opportunities to hang out together, you have opportunities to get coffee together and talk about life together, attend small group together, do life together, go skiing, go uh, hiking, go snowboarding, go whatever, ice fishing for goodness sakes, the ice fishing thing, it's just gotten out of hand. I tell you what, here in Chi Alpha, uh, I'm sure there'll be people ice, will Will you be ice fishing on Cheney Lake next week, Nathan? Oh, okay, you'll be playing broom ball. Good. I'm sure there'll be ice fishing out at Little Beaver. There's trout in that lake, just to let you know. Yeah, bring the fish houses. Anyways, <laughs> I remember when I was a freshman at North Dakota State University, I sat in the same chairs that you guys are sitting in, not these in particular, they were just similar ones in North Dakota. And I was sitting there as a freshman, and Drew Meyer got up as a senior, and he essentially told me what I just told you. He said, take advantage of this opportunity. Never again will you be given the opportunity that you will be given at this stage of your life, where people are more moldable, shapeable, open to the gospel, and more available to be discipled than now and in this season of your life. So my question for you is, are you going to take advantage of that? How many of you in this room would like to have some form of influence on this world? Raise your hand. Yeah, right? Like, no one wants to die and have be like, oh, wait a minute, what did they do? Who is that person? And have no one, have it make no difference to anybody else. Everybody wants to have influence. And the way that we have influence in the kingdom of God, the way Jesus defines influence is discipleship. He modeled this for us, right? What did Jesus revolve his entire life and ministry around? Discipleship. As defined as just taking 12 guys and doing everything with them. And he... Gave us this command of discipleship in the Great Commission when he said, Go therefore and make what? Disciples, right? He didn't say, Go therefore and make small group members. He didn't say, Go therefore and make Kielphians. He did not say, Go therefore and invite people to church. He said, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's the Great Commission. And we talked about the Great Commission a couple months ago as it pertains to missions and the ability to go. And tonight we're going to talk about the Great Commission and how it pertains to us to disciple. So if you want to be an influencer and the measure of kingdom influence is discipleship, then we need to answer the question, how do we disciple people? And what do we need to do in order to become a discipler? Well, as Jesus always talks about, I believe that the most important thing we can do to become a discipler is to make sure that we have our hearts in the right place. And tonight, if you're looking for a title of our me- my message, uh, I'll title it uh, The Heart of a Discipler, I guess. And we're going to be looking at Thess- 1 yeah, Thessalonians chapter 2. Now, if you've been around me for long, you know that First Thessalonians chapter 2 contains one of my life verses, but we are going to look at this first 12 verses in the book of First Thessalonians, and we're going to break it down kind of uh, expositorily. What that means is that we're just going to take it verse by verse and figure out what is the author of Thessalonians, who is Paul, by the way, trying to tell us, and how can we apply that to our life. So First Thessalonians chapter two is where we can discover how to have the heart of a discipler. Are we ready? Thank you, Niall. All right. Nile's ready. Turn to your neighbor and say, I want the heart of discipleship. Alright, so here we go. We want this buckle up. Here we go. This is gonna be fun tonight. First Thessalonians chapter two, verse one. You know, brothers, that our visit to you is not a failure. We had previously suffered and been insulted in Philippi, as you know, but with the help of our God, we dared to tell you the gospel in spite of strong opposition. Everyone say opposition. The first thing we have to understand about the heart of a discipler is that they need to push through the pain. The heart of the discipler has fortitude. They have the willingness to push through the pain. If you want to have influence over someone's life, if you want to have influence for God's kingdom, if you want to leave an impression on this world, if you want to have people know Jesus because of your obedience, there will be opposition. There will be opposition both in the physical and in the spiritual In the physical, there will be people, if you get bold for Christ, if you put your neck out there, if you are invitational, if you tell people and give people a reason for the hope that you have, they will hate you. There are people who will just hate you for no good reason other than the fact that, they are, that you are a Christian. And there's a million different reasons why that might be. Most of the time, it comes from a misunderstanding of who God is, what Christianity is. And a lot of times, that misunderstanding comes from something that happened in their past. And it stinks when someone hates you for no good reason other than the fact that you are a Christian. When they don't understand your heart, they don't understand who you are or why you are or what really makes you tick, but they just assume that you must be judgmental, intolerant, closed-minded, or what it might, whatever it might be. And this causes fear and anxiety in us sometimes because we know that if we put our neck out there, there is always a risk that someone is going to want to try to chop it off, right? And that is just the reality of taking a risk for Jesus, John chapter 15, Jesus addresses this. If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to this world, but I have chosen you out of this world, and that is why the world hates you. Remember what I have told you. A servant is not greater than a master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. And if they obeyed my teaching, they will obey yours also. They will treat you this way because of my name, for they do not know the one who sent me. In other words, they just don't understand. And Jesus says, listen, I can relate to you. Now, that isn't always the case, but that risk is involved. And if we don't weigh that risk with the, the uh, reward of being able to be kingdom influencers, we will never push through that pain. And I believe this, that that happens both in the physical, with our relationships, but also in the spiritual. We do not battle against flesh and blood, but against rulers and principalities in the heavenly realms, right? That the enemy does not want people to know Jesus. And so, yeah, he's going to work overtime to discourage you, lie to you, fill your head full of doubt. And, you know, right now, the biggest threat to, uh, to our ability to, to make a disciple, I think, is is just the lies that go through our own heads, that sometimes we attribute uh, to being, for whatever weird, twisted way, we attribute it to being some sort of call of God or the voice of God. What I mean by that is, uh, have you ever, I I don't know, maybe you've said this yourself, maybe you've heard someone say it, but uh, I won't ask you to raise your hand if you've done this, but uh, we've probably all been guilty of this before. When something just doesn't feel right, all of a sudden we attach the will of God to that. Ah, you know, I you know, I just I'm just not feeling called. Well, you are called to make disciples. Jesus made it very clear. He didn't put an if statement there. You are called to make disciples. Or maybe, ah, you know, the doors just not really open. I think sometimes feelings get used a lot as justification of being called not to do something. You know, it just doesn't feel. Right. I don't know if the Lord's in it. If the Lord was in it, the doors would have opened, and the doors just didn't present themselves. Can you imagine if this first verse in Thessalonians would have read like this? We had previously suffered and been insulted in Philippi. And as you know, but with the, uh, and excuse me, we had previously suffered and been insulted in Philippi. So because the doors were closed and it just didn't feel right, we decided not to come and share the gospel with you, period. End of chapter and book. <laughs> that would have been it, right? There would have been no other reason to write to the Thessalonians and encourage them in their faith. That would have been it. But Paul talks about the opposition, the suffering, the persecution that he experienced in Philippi. So he had just come off the season of persecution of Philippi, and then he came into Thessalonian, Thessalonica, and in Thessalonica, obviously there was opposition to the message there, and they just kept pushing forward. And I don't know how many no's they got, and I don't know how many people rejected them until at least one person said, yeah, I want to hear more about this. I said this a couple months ago, but I got rejected a lot in college and not in the area of dating, although that did happen too, uh, but in the area of evangelism and discipleship. I remember our, uh, and, and the reality is, is that we just have to keep fighting because we never know when somebody's heart is going to be ready to receive and ready to listen and ready to be open. Our first year up here uh in Alaska, I remember we had just started on-campus meetings, and so uh, we were meeting in the arts building in, like, Arts 150 or whatever, one of those weird recital rooms, and uh, we, uh, the third week of Chi Alpha, we had a young lady show up, uh, and we would later find out that this young lady had no idea what she was doing at Chi Alpha that night, she got invited by a friend, uh, the reason she didn't know why she showed up to Kai Alpha is because she was uh, a very outspoken uh, hater of Christianity. And she came to Kai Alpha that night, and the presence of God touched her life. That night, she accepted Christ as her Lord and Savior. Later and over the course of the next two years, she got discipled by my wife, Erin. And today, that young lady is still serving Jesus and lives here in town. I hope that story gets you pumped up. And I hope that story helps you understand that it is not our job to decide how close people are. Otherwise, what we end up doing is we only end up pursuing people who we perceive as being close to accepting Christ or to growing with Him. That is not your job. It is not your job to draw people unto God. It is not your job to, to uh, make that decision for people. That is the Holy Spirit's job, to draw people in. Your job is to be obedient and be ready to be part of the proclamation of that message. Okay, we got to keep rolling here because we got lots of things to get through. I'm having too much fun. Number two, the heart of the discipler regularly checks motives. So we're going to keep going. It says, For the appeal we made does not spring from error or impure motives, nor were we trying to trick you. On the contrary, we speak as men approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. We are not trying to please men, but God who tests our hearts. You know we never used flattery, nor did we put on a mask to cover up greed. God is our witness. We are not looking for a for praise from men, not from you or anyone else. The heart of the discipler regularly checks his or her motives for why they want influence. They don't want influence because they think that, uh, that everybody else is somehow uh, just needs to wise up. I think sometimes we, we, we almost, uh, well, we're going to skip that point tonight because I don't have time to really explain myself. But we're not, we're not our, our motivation should not be manipulation. And it shouldn't be just to change people's minds. That is not our motivation. We're never going to talk someone in to serving Jesus. That's God's job to help them make that decision on their own. We'll never convince somebody that the gospel is correct. But we might be able to lead them to that point of decision in which the Holy Spirit convinces them. We are not here, we do not make disciples for a title. In verse 4, it talks about how that was not why they were doing it. God gave them the call. It wasn't because uh, someone else gave them the call. It wasn't because they now maintain the, the title of small group leader or this, that, or the other thing. And it was not for show. If our motivation is for title or for show, Our call and our motivation will only last as long as making disciples is fun. And what did we just get done talking about? Is That sometimes following Jesus in this area requires us to push through the pain. So as soon as pain comes, if our motivations are not pure, we will run away from that challenge. All right, we're going to move to the third one. The third one is the heart of the discipler loves people. So we're going to get to two of my favorite verses in all of Scripture. It says this, As apostles of Christ, we could have been a burden to you, but we were gentle among you like a mother caring for her little children. We loved you so much that we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well, because you had become so dear to us. This is one of the theme verses of Kai Alpha. This is one of my life verses. Is verse 8, that we loved you so much that we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our very life as well, because you had become so dear to us. I have seen, guys, uh, this, the, the last, especially the last like two months, I have watched, a, anybody else just like say, you know, Uh, Facebook is just a trash fire right now, so you just can't go on it. You know what I'm talking about? All right, because it is. It's just a trash fire right now. Just avoid at all costs, right? And so, uh, but when I go on there, uh, like today I went on there to post something for Chi Alpha, I am amazed at how many of my Christian friends on there are obviously not loving people. They're not gentle. They're not treating people with dignity, and respect. That word gentle there means to be friendly, good-natured, and easy to talk to. That's what it means in the original language. Are you friendly, good-natured, and easy to talk to? (laughs) Because a lot of Christians are not right now. Are we friendly and good-natured and easy to talk to with people who don't think like us? And are we willing to share with them not only the gospel of God, but invite them into our life as well. And this is where the heart of discipleship starts to happen, is not just to tell them how to live, but to say, hey, come alongside of me and live life with me and follow me as I follow Christ, as Paul writes. Are we willing to have our life open to that sort of thing? This is a lot easier than what we make it to be a lot of times. All it takes is a simple invitation into your life. So close your eyes really quick. Everybody close your eyes. I want you to think of somebody in your life, and I want you to picture them in your head. I want you to picture somebody in your life that you are pretty confident doesn't know Jesus that you interact with on a weekly basis. I guarantee we all have at least, we have to have at least somebody, okay? And if you don't have that, uh, get out more, okay? Uh, okay, I want you to have them pictured. Now I want you to just imagine something that you could invite that person to in your life. And I'm not talking necessarily, yes, maybe Chi Alpha, right? Maybe small group. But the reality is, is it's weird not to invite people to things that are important to us, right? Sometimes it's like, well, I don't know if I want to invite them to Kyle, but they might not want to come, whatever, right? It's weird not to invite something, somebody to something that's important to you. So if Kyle is important, you invite them here. If small groups important to you, invite them there. It's like, ah, they might not be willing to do that. Well, then maybe it's Cheney Lake next week. I don't know, because it's going to be late and it might be cold, All right, well then, uh, what are you and your friends doing this weekend? And maybe God is calling you to share with them not only the gospel of God, but your very life as well. Maybe we could insert in that position, maybe God is calling that person that you have pictured in your head, maybe God is calling you to share with them not only the gospel of God, but your friend circle as well. That's a daring thing right there. We're pretty protective of our friend circles. And now I want you to just simply pray for that individual. We're just going to take the next 30 seconds, and I want you to pray for an opportunity to invite either to share the gospel with that individual, to give a reason for the hope that you have with that individual, or to invite that person into your life in some way. Go ahead and pray that. Awesome. I was praying for our friends Dave and Stacy who live across the street from us. I uh I really think that a simple invitation can change somebody's life. I do believe that. And I guys, I, I want people to be part of Kai Alpha that that we would have never expected to be part of Chi Alpha. I pray every single week that the lost and the broken would be here and that they'd get to encounter Jesus' love. And if you're here tonight and you are lost, you're feeling broken, ah, man, I hope that that you encounter Jesus' love tonight. I'll never forget our uh, first year up here that we had a hockey player come to Chi Alpha and he got saved. Like, radically saved. Like, this guy was... Party animal crazy dude, right? And, and so he comes, Kyle, like, first week there, just tough hockey guy, just blubbering crazy, crying all over the place. And uh, so we, uh, his name was Tony. And so Tony uh, uh, and I started to hang out, and he started to learn what it meant to follow Jesus. And two weeks later, I was standing in the back of Kyle, right? And this guy who I had never seen before came into Kai Alpha for the first time. He had gotten invited by somebody else, and he looks around the room, and he he sees Tony at Kai Alpha. And he, I'm standing in the back. He doesn't know that I'm listening to him. He's standing with his buddy, and he looks and he sees Tony, and he knows Tony, but he knows Tony in a different context. He knows Tony in a party context, and so he looks and he goes what, Tony's here? And he goes, what the blank is he doing in a place like this? So here's this dude that can't figure out what in the world is going on in that guy's life, that he would be coming to know Jesus. Guys, those are the types of stories that I pray for every single week, that people would be shocked by who is making decisions for Jesus, that people would be shocked that they wouldn't even be able to recognize themselves because of the change and the freedom that Jesus brings into their life. Awesome. The fourth thing that a discipler does is a discipler fights for people. Verse 9 goes on to say this, Surely you remember, brothers, our toil and hardship. We work night and day in order to not be a burden to anyone while we preach the gospel to you. Discipleship is hard work, and it requires to fight for people. It might be one invitation, or it might be 12 invitations. It might be one time of getting on your hands and knees and praying for them, or it might be 1,200 times of you getting on your hands and knees and praying for them. We're not promised quick and easy road to making a disciple, but we are called and promised that God will be with us as we do this. And I think sometimes the struggle and the people who are the farthest out there are the ones that show us the miraculous work of God in the greatest ways and the ones that bring the greatest amount of joy to our life. And finally, number five we're going to close with this, is that the heart of a discipler feeds people. Verse 11 and 12, well, we'll read verse 10 there too. You are witnesses, and so is God, of how holy, righteous, and blameless we were before among you who believed. For you know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children, encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God who calls you into his kingdom and glory. This couple verses, I think, sums up what it means to have a discipling relationship with somebody. As a father cares for his children, right? What does a father do? A father wants wants what's best for his kids, and a father, essentially, uh, a somebody who wants what's best for somebody spiritually, is someone who wants them to step into the fullness of their God-given destiny. Now, uh, why I close my Bible, I will never know. i got to go back there. Um, there are three words that gets get used in this passage. The word encouraging, comforting, and urging. So how do we treat people like this? How do we encourage people to step in to the best of what God has for them? Because that's what the heart of the discipler does. He feeds people truth about their life those three words in verse 12 uh are in the original text uh, are three really cool words and the first one is this paracleo, which means to urge beg or insist we talked about this a couple months ago when we talked about uh where chi alpha gets its name second corinthians five twenty, and how it's uh how it's uh, we implore you, therefore, be reconciled to God. In other words, it means to be a little bit of a pest, right? And that's okay to bug you a little bit, to poke at you a little bit. Why? Out of love. Because now, now, come on, man, come on, man. Have you been? Have you been spending time with Jesus? You need to spend time with Jesus. Then that thing in your life is never going to get taken care of if you don't spend time with Jesus. Now. Oh, quit bugging me about that, Steve. But don't we need to be bugged sometimes? If no one bugged us about anything, if nobody poked at us, prodded at us, we would never grow, right? We would just kind of sit there as a vegetable and maintaining the status quo. So to feed people means to poke at them a little bit. Be a little bit of a pest. Don't be annoying, right? Don't be like crazy pompous about it. But it just means to... Ask good questions. Poke at them a little bit. And we can do that to our friends as we disciple them. And then the second word there is, uh, I'm going to butcher this one. It's uh, para paramethiomai. I don't know. Something like that. All right? And it means an authoritative but calm and consoling. Authoritative while being calm and consoling. How I would define that word in today's language would be like this. is essentially you walking up to somebody and they're like, they're just down on themselves. Oh, I'm just so stupid or I'm just so, I just, I'll never get out of this. And for you to look at that person and say, you, no, you, I will refuse to let you believe that lie about yourself. Authoritative, but comforting and consoling. That is a characteristic of a discipleship relationship. So I bug you a little bit, and then I don't let you listen to the lies that are going on in your life. And then the last word is a word, uh, martoreo. Martoreo. You have to roll the R there. Obviously not very good at it. And it means to confirm what has been done. In other words, to acknowledge that you have been given a destiny and a future in Jesus, and to speak to that future. So, a good discipler, as they feed people, they poke at them, they ask them good questions, they don't let them listen to lies, and instead they speak truth, and then they speak to the future of that God-given destiny. And if you have never allowed someone to speak to you in this way, invited someone to be a discipler to you in this way, I encourage you to do that. I was talking to my friend Niall before this, and the worship team can come back up. And uh, we were just talking about, I was asking about his story. Do you mind if I share your story, Niall? Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> I asked him beforehand. I don't know why I asked you again. But uh, if, you, if you don't know this, Niall came to Chi Alpha not really being sure who this Jesus guy was, but knowing enough about him to know that, that the hard time in his life was going to need something uh, to gi- give him comfort and peace. And so he figured he was going to give Jesus a shot. And uh, Niall came to Kyalpha Alpha because he had simply uh, heard about Kyalpha Alpha while uh, being handed an otter pop at a campus kickoff. That's all it took. Guys, life is pretty simple, right? Jesus can use anything if he can use an otter pop, all right? And if Jesus can use an otter pop, he can use you, all right? Put that on a T-shirt. Anyways, so Jesus uses that otter pop, and then he comes to Chi Alpha. And it was the second week that he came to Chi Alpha that he made a decision to follow Jesus. But it wasn't over then. Niall was still dealing with hurt in his life and stuff in his life. And he had a small group leader. His name was uh, Joseph, who who prayed with Nile that second week. And Nile said that Joseph spent, uh, he just described it as a lot of time with him. And they would read the Bible together, but they would also just hang out together. For Joseph was delighted to share with Niall not only the gospel of God, but his very life as well. Because Nile had become so dear to Joseph. It's literally that simple. And every once in a while, I guarantee, Joseph, did you ever, uh, did you ever poke and be a pest to Niall in his life? Did you ever uh, call out lies that he was listening to and speak truth over him? And did you ever speak about his future? Come on. It's literally that easy, guys. It's not hard. And he did the same to you, too. Oh how how the tables have turned! <laughs> we're gonna pray. Here's what I want you to do: is I want you to believe that God is going to bring a Nile into your life, is going to bring a Tony into your life, is going to bring a, a a young lady like the in the first story that I told into your life. Maybe it's that person that I was talking about, but we're going to do this tonight. We're going to put that list back up, Aaron. And as we respond in this closing song, I'm going to ask that that you would ask for prayer for one of these things. Maybe it's that you just are like, man, I have never said yes to God, and I've been justifying a lot of things with, with just, ah, I just didn't feel right, or I, obviously I don't have the open doors, right? Right? So maybe you need to push through that pain. Maybe you need to check your motives. Uh, your motive has been uh, influence and impact. And, and so when it didn't go the way you wanted it to go, you just kind of threw it out. Maybe you're just having a hard time loving people right now that don't think the way you think, act the way you act, have the same beliefs that you have. And you just need someone to pray with you to help you love Maybe you need to fight for people. Maybe you need that help with one of those things that we just got done talking about with feeding people. But here's what I'm gonna have you do is pray through this list, spend some time with Jesus, and then I want you to find someone uh, to pray with tonight. We'll be available in the back. And uh, we're going to be praying with people back there, but maybe you want to invite someone that you came with to pray for you, maybe a small group leader to pray for you, or someone in your small group. doesn't matter. I don't care how it works. I just want you to receive prayer tonight for the specific thing that you think, the specific thing that you think is the biggest obstacle right now for you to become a discipler. Amen? Make sense? All right. And then feel free after you're done praying to worship the Lord as the worship team leads us. And then we'll be back up to close here in about uh, about seven to seven to eight minutes. So uh, take care of business tonight with the Lord. Also, last thing I wanted to say is that if you're here tonight and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, um, and you'd like to make that decision tonight, or maybe you had one in the past but it's not an active relationship with him, and you'd like to reactivate that, I would love to talk with you, and so please come find me uh, here in these moments. I would love to chat with you about about what that might look like and what that means. Awesome. Let's pray, and let's spend time praying together and asking the Lord for help as we examine our uh, our hearts. Lord, open our hearts to be the have the heart of the discipler. Lord, I just pray that we would push through the pain, that we would be motivated by the right thing, Lord, that we would love people and that love for people would cause us to fight for them regardless of what it costs us. And Lord, I pray that we would simplify the feeding of people, that we won't feel like we need a Bible degree or uh, all of this crazy training to somehow figure out how to disciple people, but that we would just invite people into our life, urge them, insist, and be a pest in their life, to not let them believe the lies about themselves and to speak into their future. In Jesus' name.